Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Keep texting us. Don't be offended if we can't get to every text on today's edition of Oilers Now. Obviously, there is uh, some nervousness in the air based on the Oilers' performance to start the year at 134. And uh, as a guy who has uh, long appreciated the fact that you got to laugh at yourself, some of you are sending some pretty stu- uh, funny stuff on the suits and uh, the hair and stuff. So uh, it's all good, man. I get it. Let's have some fun with it. But we're going to get serious here, really serious conversation. Well, not that much. Uh, we will head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline at uh, 135 in Edmonton. And uh, welcome back to one of the most plugged-in men in the business out of uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers from Sportsnet in Toronto, Chris. Johnson. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, Bob. It's been good to see you on my TV out here at the Oilers Intermission. Yeah, I wish I had uh, a little bit, uh, you know, bigger screen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) You look great, bud. All right. Well, flattery will get you everywhere. And if we ever see each other, well, you were here for, uh, for the listeners that are unaware, you were here for, uh, were you here for the entire Stanley Cup playoffs or just the final uh, two, uh, two rounds? Yeah, just for September. So the, the two conference finals and the, and the cup final. I uh, came over from Toronto and lived the same day again and again and again. Six o'clock puck drop. I mean, I miss the fans immensely. I'm privileged to have this level of engagement on our show, and we have fun. And hey, there, there's there's frustration right now because the Oilers are underperforming, and uh, they played a pretty good Montreal team. I think it needs to be stated, but still, uh, it's all comes part and parcel. It beats the alternative, not having hockey. But maybe you can explain to our listeners just how incredibly different the experience is when there's no fans in the building. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, you know, I, I'd love to get. Some, some honest takes from the players on that fact. If they notice it, I'm not, I'm not sure if they do because obviously the games are still pretty competitive and uh, they got to be focused more on that. But uh, it's, it's just not the same buzz walking up to the building even, you know, uh, covering a couple games here to start the season in Toronto or a home opener. Normally you'd feel it in the air and it's just just kind of a strange time. But, you know, I, I like you, I'm grateful that uh, the sport's able to continue. We're able to make our livelihood and I know lots of people are watching at home uh, that can't go out to those games. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the uh, the Maple Leafs. Uh, I had Toronto, Montreal, and Edmonton competing for top spot. Obviously, the Oilers uh, have got it. the Canadians look pretty good here. I know you saw uh, Montreal the first game of the year, uh, but how have uh, well? For, I'll get your thoughts on the Canadians before we talk a bit about the Leafs. Uh, since you've watched the games, what do you think of Montreal so far? Well, they're actually what I expected. I was with you. I, I was actually, I think, higher on the Canadians than most sort of national observers, people outside of their market. Uh, just because, to me, they're they're a team. And, you know, obviously we're, we're all fawning, and I'm among them over all the superstars in this division. You know, Montreal doesn't necessarily have that, although Nick Suzuki and, and now Dana Romanov are maybe budding uh, type of players that can work themselves into that sort of conversation. But, you know, they got depth up and down the lineup. I, I love the, the Jake Allen addition. Uh, for them, just because Carey Price, in my eyes, has been overworked the last few years and really hasn't had a, a strong backup 
and so this allows them to to run with two goalies in, in this condensed season and you know, I think they're going to be a handful. They're, they're, they're difficult to play against. It's not old-time hockey, but they certainly are physical and in your face and not afraid to do those things. And, um, you know, as they've shown here, I mean, frankly, they, they probably should have beat the Leafs on opening night. So they, they, could, they could be perfect through their schedule to this point, and they have to be feeling good about themselves on this road trip. All right. You've watched the Leafs play. Uh, tell our listeners what to expect out of Toronto. Well, I mean, they're trending in a good direction after the first two games, which were a bit sloppy. They allowed nine goals against in those two games. You know, it's been much better, uh, you know, Saturday in Ottawa and last night against Winnipeg, just in terms for them, you know, much like the conversation I'm sure you guys have around the Oilers a lot there is, you know, there's no question they can score goals, but it's it's about how they can, you know, play with the puck and defend in their own end and make life a little easier on their goaltender. And they've managed to do that uh, for Jack Campbell on Saturday, Frederick Anderson last night. So, um, you know, I, I think that very much a work in progress, um, but, you know, cautious optimism around them uh, with a three and one start. And, and as I say, sort of the underlying defensive metrics being being pretty strong. I mean, the Jets just didn't have the puck very much last night, uh, didn't threaten the, the dangerous areas of the ice enough. And, you know, even though it was only three one with an empty net goal, it was uh, a pretty comfortable win for the Leafs. The only game I've seen in full is the one game that wasn't on when the Oilers were playing, and that was the game against Ottawa. I'm quietly cheering for Pierre Dorian. He's built. I'm telling you this, I wouldn't want to go to a street fight with those guys. That's a tough team that Ottawa has. Uh, Ottawa showed some lean in that game for you, uh, and for for me as well. Like I kind of like their size a little bit. Uh, the Leafs made some alterations a bit. Do you think they got enough of that kind of juice with the additions of Simmons and 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 even a guy like? Thornton, even though he doesn't, don't tell Drew Doughty that because he beat the crap out of Drew Doughty one time. But uh, he doesn't, he doesn't do it as much anymore. But does that older veteran experience with players that you can't intimidate? What's been the impact of guys like Simmons and uh, Thornton in particular uh, to date? Well, I think a bit of personality, quite honestly. Um, you know, you see that on the ice. The Leafs are sort of reporting that off the ice with with, with the the vibe around the team. I think. You know, it's funny. There's the, wherever we go, there's so many, I think, easy uh, comparisons you made between where the Leafs are and where the Oilers are at. And you know, the Leafs have some pretty high expectations. They have young star players that have had some individually good seasons, but they haven't, you know, translated into playoff success. And I think, you know, there's a feeling in the management office that they were almost a bit too, you know, wound too tight, a little too serious. They were shouldering. Uh, a little bit too much of the the load of everything expected of them, and you know I, I think by by bringing in a Simmons and, and a Thornton, but but even Zach Bogosian uh, to to a lesser degree to play on their third pairing, it's just you know adding a few more adults in the room, uh, for lack of a better phrase, and I think guys that uh, keep it pretty light that that have a lot of flavor to to what they do, and you know on the ice it's worked well too. I, I must say most people thought when Joe Thornton appeared on Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews wing on the, on the Leafs top line on the first day of camp that it was found to be one of these training camp stories that we talk about for a week and it doesn't really mean anything in the season but you know so far that's been one of the better lines in the league in terms of shot share and and things like that and and you know it's not saying that Thornton is the one producing a lot of the offense I think he's in a good spot obviously with two elite young players but uh, that that experiment has worked on the ice and then I do think that there's a little bit more swagger off the ice that these guys uh, you know bring bring to the group uh well, before we get to the goaltending, uh, we're joined by Chris Johnson from NHL Hockey and Rogers out of Toronto. Uh, does some great work for Sportsnet. TJ Brody, I've watched him a lot. Obviously, he's been paired with Giordano. They've been very good. And again, I might have seen the wrong game. I saw the game in the first game against Ottawa. How has his uh, overall performance gone through the first four years? Because they committed some term to him. 
He's a good defenseman. Uh, he can play both sides. Just want to get your feelings on on uh, has he has he been seeing him good so far? Like, how would you assess things? Well, the game that you watch would be the one that, that you come away going, how did they sign him with that contract? Uh, because certainly the, the loss the Leafs had in Ottawa was a tough night for him, and Morgan Riley, his defensive partner, I mean, was a tough night for, for many more than just those two, but they in particular were on the ice for four goals against. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a bit of a work in progress. You know, what probably benefits TJ a little bit is I think Morgan Riley is, is quietly had a, a pretty strong start here for Toronto uh, he was injured through most of last season and, and just had one of those years where he never got on top of things and didn't, didn't play at his best level. And, and so I think he's one of the guys that you can point to that's benefited from the, the break in time that, that came during this pandemic uh, in terms of getting healthy and getting strong again. And, you know, he's had a great start. And I think that that's, that's probably helped TJ Brody as well. So, you know, it's, it's probably too soon for me to, to make any grand, grand pronouncements about TJ, but he's, he's in an important spot with the Leafs that they're, they're uh, playing them some big minutes, and and you know they need them. And the, the Leafs are a team with only uh, two right shot defensemen among their their top uh, eight uh, in in their rotation. And you know one of the strengths TJ brings is that as a left shot, he can play on the right side. And in this case, they they got him playing on their top pairing right now. I will tell you, there were a lot of pl- uh, fans here, a lot of the hardcore analytics types uh, that uh, follow the orders that wanted Edmonton to sign Aaron Dell. Uh, and they applauded what the Leafs tried to do, which is to have three goaltenders on their active roster, Anderson, Campbell, and Dell. Uh, I know that, that there was some consternation yesterday in the Toronto market over the last 48 hours. I guess it's best laid plans, right? Illustration with the Robertson industry, how everything's changed there, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's not just the Leafs. Obviously, it happened to Edmonton with Anton Forsberg. You know, Comrie got plucked out of Winnipeg. Even Troy Grosnick got plucked out of L.A. Uh, by the Oilers there. So, I mean, it's been a bit of a goalie carousel to start the year. And, and the Leafs are a team that, that just doesn't have cap space to carry three goaltenders and to, to weather injuries. And so uh, they, they, they had an injury to the rookie Nick Robertson on Saturday. That would have prevented them last night from being able to dress 18 healthy skaters unless they, they made the, the roster move they did. And, you know, I think that they understood by, by putting Arendell on waivers that it was uh, slim between slim and none that, that he was going to get through. And, um, you know, I, I applaud the signing. I'm not sure there's anything they did wrong. I mean, I guess with the benefit of hindsight, you could say maybe try to pass him through waivers early in camp when teams haven't dealt maybe with injuries or what have you. But, you know, Aaron Dell's a proven NHL goaltender at a time when, when those are at an even higher premium than normal with teams having to carry uh, three goalies across the board this year. And, you know, the possibility of COVID, you know, having Corey Crawford to retire on the New Jersey Devils during training camp, you know, pretty abruptly, uh, you know, created an opening there. And so, um, you know, it's uh, it's probably too bad in some ways for these guys that, that sign one place thinking they're going to live there. But the flip side of that is, is Aaron Dell is probably more likely to play games in Jersey now that he's been, been claimed by the Devils than he would have been if he stayed here. So, Chris, I asked John Shannon this question yesterday on the show, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. To me, because of the inconsistent regulations, uh, province by province, and obviously between Canada and the U.S. because of COVID, did the NHL think this through with third-string goaltenders? And the reason I'm asking this is they had the NFL as a template. We saw what happened with Denver. They lost all their quarterbacks, and they had to get a guy off the practice roster that was a receiver to be the quarterback for a game, and it wrecked the competitive balance in that game. The Ravens had over 40 guys during the course of the season. That altered their season, right? They, they might have been a yeah. home playoff team. And I'm just wondering, like, was it unfair, frankly, to Canadian teams 
Dell signed to a one-way. Forsberg signed to a one-way. Uh, you know, that, that's uh, Comrie signed to a one-way. That's how you protect from guys getting claimed off of waivers. And then you have the, the hold period where the player is not even, if, if you're claiming a guy from the States off of waivers, you're looking like at a week to 10 days before you can even add. You see what I'm saying here? Like, was that process uh, thought all the way through, especially given the, the, how one country versus another country deals with COVID? What do you think? It, it, it probably wasn't. You know, I haven't asked anyone that pointedly or directly, but, you know, looking at it, I, I would think that, and let's hope we don't have these rules in place come the next season, you know, starting yes. in the fall. But if, in, in just for a hypothetical, if we do, I would think that this could be a rule you see an alteration to because, you know, especially in the case of the Oilers, I mean, Forsberg was claimed, pre, you know, as a preemptive strike by Carolina that was worried about getting their own goalie through waivers. It wasn't even, you know, a guy that they ended, uh, ended up wanting to keep. And, you know, I, I think it created kind of an unusual scenario for him. I don't, I don't really see how this benefits anyone, especially in cases where you're talking about veteran players that, that went and signed a contract with those teams. Those teams want to keep them and, and, you know, frankly might need them in this season even more than ever and are not able to. So, you know, I, I do think to answer your question that they, it probably wasn't fully thought through. Uh, there's there's a lot of moving pieces, as you know, on the chessboard here. And if somehow we're under the same regulations or, or quarantine type of situation, I, I would think next season you'll, you'll see some kind of change that allows teams to hang on to a third goaltender or maybe not have them count against the cap or, or you know some kind of exemption to, to keep this from happening. Does Austin Matthews really have 40 shots through four games? Yeah, he's been outrageous. Honestly, I mean, if you look at just the the points totals and the goal total, he's only got one so far. You, you might uh, conclude he's off to a bit of a slow start, but um, this is by far. I mean, the, the playoffs in the bubble, he was great for the Leafs. Got got overshadowed, of course, because they lost in the playing round to Columbus in five. And everyone says same old Leafs, but it wasn't the same old Matthews in that series. And you know, I think what uh, you know, Oilers fans maybe might just be seeing him for the first time this year in these games. Back to back, we'll, we'll see a, a player far more committed at his own end, and and he's just you know it's it's sort of like any of these guys. I mean, he's still at the stage of his career; it's his fifth season where he's getting better, he's getting stronger, and and I think he's certainly more comfortable using his body. You're not going to see him throw huge hits that would have been on Rockham Sockham tape back in the day, but you know he 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 really uses his six foot three body to to establish just in the offensive zone to dig pucks out along the wall. Now, I mean, he's he's a complete force, and and. I'm sure uh, you're all sick of hearing Toronto hype, but I, I won't, won't be surprised if you start hearing some Selkie Trophy talk around him, if not this year, then in the coming years, because he's, he's showing a lot more of a, a defensive game in addition to what he does in the Ozone. I stand corrected. Uh, he has 21 shots. I don't know where I still. If he has, if he averages five shots per game through 56 games, that's 230 shots. I'm going to predict right now he's going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy if that happens. Like just the, because he, if he's getting that many shots a game. He can flat out shoot the pill, Chris. Like, he's got an unbelievable, like, he's got a top five shot in the league. For sure. It's, it's a deceptive release. You know, I think the fact that he grew up in, in a way that, that most people, especially his age, didn't. And, you know, more and more of the young guys do this, but he was was doing skills training from a really young age. You know, he just shoots the puck differently. And, you know, goalies do what they can to adjust and react. But, you know, even the guys that he's seen a lot in his own division, like Kerry Price or Craig Anderson, who played for the Senators, I mean, those are the guys he scored the most on. You know, the the, the book might be out on him, but he he's, he seems to be one step ahead with, with how he shoots, where he shoots, and, and how frequently he scores. Yeah, he's a 15.5% career shooter. So if he got five shots per game, 230 shots, that's roughly 37 goals 
in a 56 game schedule. He'd have a hell of a chance to do it. Uh, final question for you: Did they go 11 and seven last night? The Leafs. They did, and, and they intend to go there that way tomorrow too. I wonder if they're the only team in the building tomorrow that goes 11 and seven. Just uh, oh, you know something. You know. I, something. I just I just wonder whether or not it, like I know that Bears. I, I would have to think that Ethan Bears coming back in after a game. I think Russell stays in, but I wonder whether or not they uh, take the opportunity to look at somebody else at some point here. So we'll wait and see. Chris, we love having you on the show. Thank you for your time. And one of these days when you're back at Edmonton and everything's back to normal, we'll hook you up at Roos Chris. Okay. I love that. I will be back there this season at some point. I promise you that. All right. Thank you very much. That's Chris Johnson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Does a terrific job and knows that Leafs beat inside and out. We will tell you the best pizza in the city. Still making a great Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. I can't, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't know where I saw that Matthews already had 40 shots uh, through the first four uh, games this year. Chris Johnson from NHL Hockey and Rogers was our Oilers Now headliner for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We go to this day in Oilers history and back of the 630 Chet Studios, Brendan Escott. In 1980, 26-year-old uh, Blair McDonald scores his second career hat trick as the Oilers dump the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-2 in Pittsburgh. McDonald finished the 79-80 NHL season, 46 goals, 94 points, and, and never really came close to duplicating that production before retiring just three years later. One of Glenn Sather's infamous lines, a fire hydrant could score 40 goals playing with Wayne Gretzky. There is an old saying in the car business. Car, do you know what the name of the line was, by the way? Uh, ah, let me get through the read first. Uh, cars cost less of a task, but outstanding customer service is key to business as well. Brent Ridge Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. The year-end event's taking place down at Brent Ridge. That's right, they've extended the year-end event. Let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. So, Mr. Escott, a little trivia here for you. There you go. Do you know the name of the line that uh, Blair McDonald and Wayne Gretzky was on in 1979, what they used to call it back in the day? Not off the top of my head, nope. Well, considering you weren't born for how many more years? Holy smokes, 14? Uh, maybe that's understand. I, in fact, I was 14 uh, in 79-80. So uh, playing for the Strathcona Warriors with Don Kafluk as our head coach and uh, a couple guys that were on that team. Uh, Brad Moline ended up playing in the Western Hockey League for the Seattle uh was he with the Breakers or the Thunderbirds? I think he was with the Breakers. Pretty good, skilled uh, offensive player. Ernie Cullum was on that team as well. Uh, anyhow, uh, they called it the GMC line. Gretzky, McDonald, and Callahan. Brett Callahan, who had his career slightly altered after he took a high stick uh, from uh, the late uh, Brad McCrimmon. Uh, I think that was during the 80-81 season. Callahan was pretty good for the Oilers in the 80... Actually, it might have been in the 81-82 season because it was during the 81 playoffs against Montreal. He had a good go. Uh, we have Inside Sports tonight with Reed Wilkins. It's a full show, 6-8. to eight. What's Reed got cooking, Brendan? Rob Brown, the Inside the Game analyst from the Oilers Radio Network. 
there you go. Tomorrow, full slate. We'll have a preview. We'll have audio out of Toronto uh, prior to uh, the game. And then from the NHL Network, Brian Lawton was kind enough to send me a couple texts the last couple days. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey and our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Coming up today on 630 Chat Afternoons with Jalen Nye, Prime Minister Trudeau says that he's looking forward to working with U.S. President-elect Joe Biden and wants to make sure that he hears Canada's view on the future of the Keystone XL pipeline with reports that Biden will terminate the contract for the project tomorrow. What legal recourse could the governments of Canada and Alberta have in fighting his executive order? Law professor out of Southern Methodist University, the Pony Express, SMU, Eric Dickerson, Craig James. No, James Coleman from SMU will join Jalen Nye after the 2 o'clock news coming up. Global 2 o'clock news with uh, Eileen Bell. Have a terrific Tuesday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.